Good morning. Happy Tuesday and breaking overnight. Hurricane Ian has strengthened. Yeah. And across the South, millions are gearing up for that dangerous storm to hit. It is September 27th. This is today. Here it comes. Overnight, Ian makes landfall in western Cuba, lashing the island with soaking rain and high winds and creeping closer to the United States. We must do everything we can to protect our residents. Tampa, Florida, bracing for a possible direct hit. Hundreds of thousands ordered to evacuate. We'll have complete live coverage, and Al is tracking the storm. Getting out, a mass exodus from Russia. Men now fleeing to avoid Vladimir Putin's draft. Just ahead, the growing backlash and the impact on the war in Ukraine. Taking flight, the new move to crack down on hidden airline fees. What you need to know with the busy holiday travel season fast approaching. And for commuters, unwelcome news inside the big comeback of congestion. How the pandemic has changed rush hour forever and how you can avoid all that traffic. Those stories plus, back to work. The Prince and Princess of Wales embarking on an historic trip this morning, their first since the Queen's funeral. And King Charles making a new move of his own. A live report from London straight ahead. And Bullseye, NASA's DART, makes history. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. Slamming a spacecraft into an asteroid millions of miles away. It was just joy. You got to enjoy the moment. The crash that should have everyone on the planet celebrating today, Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to today. We're glad you're with us on a Tuesday morning. When you hear crash and celebrating, it can be confusing. <laughs> I know, bit. but listen, yeah. when NASA scientists get yeah. excited and start yeah. cheering <laughs> and literally jumping up and down, you know a good thing has happened. And there, there it go. is. We'll have a little bit more about NASA hitting the target mm-hmm. with DART in a moment. Tom Costello is there. But first, let's get right to Hurricane Ian. Indeed, it made landfall in Cuba overnight as a major Category 3. You can see the wind and rain pounding down on the island this morning. And as that storm moves north, it could actually gain strength. Yeah, so take a look at this video. This was released by NASA, speaking of, overnight. And from space, you can really see just how massive Ian has become. Wow. Evacuations are now a top priority in the Tampa area. Highways, they're jammed. And we can tell you that flying may not be an option even later today. Tampa's main airport will suspend operations at 5 p.m. We've got everything you need to know. We're going to begin with Al's forecast in a bit. He's down in Washington. Hey, Al, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. And so here is the latest on Ian. It is a Category 3 storm, 370 miles south-southwest of Tampa, Florida, 125-mile-per-hour winds. It's moving to the north at 12 miles per hour. Right now, 19 million people at risk for hurricane watches, hurricane warnings, tropical storm warnings, and watches as well as it gets ready to make its way to the north. So we look for it now making its way across the Gulf, 
And we look at sometime Thursday, early Thursday morning, possibly to see landfall as a Category 3 storm. It's going to slow down, and the big problem is it is going to intensify. Why? Well, these Gulf waters are up to 5 degrees above average, and that warm water is fuel for this hurricane. 87 degrees as you get as it comes up this path, 85 right off of Tampa Bay. And so we've got a potential storm surge, especially in Tampa Bay. We're really worried about the high tides of Wednesday, 4.52 p.m., Thursday at 3.39 a.m., Wednesday, 3.12 a.m. So we're going to be watching that very closely. The storm surge is where we get the greatest deaths and damage. Uh, and you can see 5 to 10 feet right along uh, the Tampa Bay area, 5 to 8 as you head toward part Charlotte, and then lower as we move down to the south. And the rainfall is going to be a big problem as well. Roads turning into rivers of moving water, houses damaged or washed away. We're talking about some places maybe picking up to 24 inches of rain or more. And with these destructive winds, we're talking about significant damage to houses and buildings. St. Pete Beach could see a wind gust of up to 127 miles per hour, impassable roads and bridges, and of course, extensive power and communication outages. These hardest hit areas may not have powers for days to even week. So we're going to continue to track this. We're going to get an update from the National Hurricane Center in just about 50 minutes, and we will bring you the latest. Guys? All right. Al Roker for us. Thanks, Al. And as Ian creeps closer to Florida, millions are racing to make those final preparations, and the clock is ticking. NBC's Sam Brock in Gulfport for us this morning. Hi, Sam. Good morning. Uh, Savannah, good morning. It's a powerful visual. As you can see behind me, some businesses already boarding up their windows with plywood, sandbags out as well to prevent flooding. This ice cream shop here trying to ease some of the tension with a little bit of humor. But the reality is the focus right now is on mass evacuations. Hundreds of thousands of people, guys, being asked to leave their homes as Hurricane Ian is strengthening this morning and approaching a population of three million people. This morning, Florida is rushing residents out of a possible disaster zone. Hurricane Ian has grown so large so fast, the storm, which is now nearly 500 miles wide, can be seen from space. The fear it could hit Florida this week as a major hurricane. Even if it's off the coast of having really historic storm surge and flooding is very, very real. Around a half dozen counties on Florida's Gulf Coast issuing mandatory evacuations, many starting today prompting bumper-to-bumper traffic on many highways. Please be patient. We expect to have to evacuate over 300,000 people. Yet time is quickly running out, especially for those seeking sandbags or to stock up on supplies. Empty shelves at stores throughout the region. This video from inside a Tampa Home Depot shows generators, plywood, and gas cans flying off the shelves throughout the day. Florida now activating 5,000 National Guardsmen. That's double the initial call-up from just a few days ago. An additional 2,000 Guardsmen are on standby in neighboring states. FEMA is also on the ground and ready to provide help. It's why so many are preparing to leave. For Vika Waters, who lives near an evacuation zone, that's not an option because she's 38 weeks pregnant. Getting in a car makes me nervous as well because... I would have to deliver somewhere um, that my doctor is not there. For others who have not been ordered to leave yet, the scars from past hurricanes weighing on them heavily. In Mexico Beach, Florida, they're busy filling sandbags, remembering all too well Category 5 Hurricane Michael's destructive power in 2018. Many there taking the tried and true advice 
Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And in just two counties, Hillsborough and Pinellas, where I'm standing right now, there are roughly a million plus people in evacuation zones, guys. Today is going to be crucial, crucial hours. Tampa's airport closing at five o'clock today, but not before those final flights help to get people out. Savannah, let me send it back to you. Okay, Sam, thank you. And of course, we will have the latest updates on Ian throughout the morning. But right now, let's turn to the war in Ukraine, where fierce fighting continues to rage. While in Russia, violent protests are spreading over Vladimir Putin's call-up of hundreds of thousands to join the fight. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin is on the ground for us there in eastern Ukraine. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. This is the aftermath of a ferocious battle that took place here in the Kharkiv region, a stark example of the brutality of this war and a big reason why so many Russians are dodging the draft. This morning, Russia scrambling to contain the chaos as the wave of men fleeing the draft shows no signs of slowing. Video appearing to show miles of cars lined up at the border to neighboring countries. The government responding to heated anti-war protests last weekend and violence at recruitment centers. A new video appearing to show one recruitment center on fire. Yesterday, during a meeting with President Putin, the leader of Belarus, a Russian ally, condemning what he claims are tens of thousands dodging the draft. Let them run, he says, claiming Russia has enough draftees who are showing up. But for draft-age men living in Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine, running is not an option. Former Kherson resident Zainish Hussein says not only are the Russians not letting men ages 18 to 35 out, some are going missing. They go missing, right? Like they just drag them out of their homes and take them somewhere. Ukrainian officials allege men and women suspected of pro-Ukrainian ties were also being kidnapped from the now liberated village of Lipsy, while intense fighting drove most of the remaining villagers out. Ukrainian prosecutors say 80 percent of this village was evacuated to Russia. They weren't allowed to go to Ukrainian held territory. Now the streets are eerily quiet. Residents claim there's evidence the Russians turned the back of the local high school into a torture chamber. They electrocuted the prisoners like this, he alleges, claiming the Russians left their call sign on a nearby wall. This morning, the British Ministry of Defense is warning that Russia could move to annex Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine by the end of the week, noting that President Putin is expected to address both houses of Russian parliament on Friday. Hoda. Aaron McLaughlin for us there in Ukraine. Aaron, thank you. Well, here at home with the holiday travel rush on its way, a big change is in the works when it comes to booking flights. Under a new proposal from the Biden administration, hidden airline fees would become perhaps a thing of the past. NBC's Stephanie Gosk is over at New York's LaGuardia Airport with details. Stephanie, good morning. Savannah, good morning. You know, air travel, like so many things, costs more these days. Now the federal government is demanding that airlines and travel websites be upfront about those extra costs, things like checking a bag and seat selection, as soon as a price is listed. So there are no surprises later. The scramble to get those holiday plane tickets is on, followed by the ticket shock. Compared to last year, average domestic fares are up 43% for Thanksgiving and up 39% for Christmas. Those high prices include extras like checking a bag and change fees. 
The federal government proposing new rules to ensure airlines and travel sites are transparent about extra costs up front as soon as a price is listed. Customers would no longer have to search for fees tied to things like checking bags, canceling or changing flights, and guaranteeing seats with family. The White House says the new rules would force airlines to be more competitive, driving down prices. Are these new rule changes necessary? No, they are not necessary. All the information that these, uh, this proposed rule is about is currently available on our websites. Nick Calio is the president of Airlines for America, a trade association. Uh, and we don't need really the government to tell us to do it. Our carriers are so fiercely competitive, it's unbelievable. The transportation secretary responding. I think right now uh, we still have too many situations where passengers, you think you're getting a a low fare, you think you're getting a great deal, uh, but it wasn't obvious what the fees were. The announcement comes after a summer of discontent, tens of thousands of cancellations and delays. Staffing shortages forced airlines to cut down the number of flights, contributing to an increase in ticket prices. Air travelers are frustrated. The federal government hoping some new rules might make things better. It's a way to say to the public, we hear your complaints and we agree with you. We want you to know everything that's involved and the true cost of flying. The proposed rules now go into a 60-day comment period. So those people hoping to see them for this holiday season will have to wait a little bit longer. Just remember all of that extra stuff, things like seats and bags and changes down the line, all of it can add up. Savannah, back to you. Sure can, Stephanie. Thank you. 13 minutes past the hour. Welcoming Craig. A lot of celebrating going on at NASA. Yes, indeed. They were like athletes last night. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Roughly this time yesterday, we actually previewed this for you. The first ever test of a planetary defense system. And last night it unfolded live. NASA successfully crashing a spacecraft into an asteroid in an effort to deflect the distant space rock. NBC's Tom Costello covers space. He had his eyes peeled on this one. It was actually pretty exciting time. I watched it. Pretty dramatic, and Earthlings can rest easy right now. A direct hit, 7 million miles away. All of it captured in that stunning detail, marking the first time in history that humans have tried to move the path of an asteroid. And while NASA says this asteroid posed no risk to Earth whatsoever, they do believe the test could help them divert potential killer asteroids in the future that may be on a collision course with Earth. Oh, my goodness. Wow. From science fiction to reality. And we have an impact. (laughs) This morning, NASA is hailing its history-making test of a planetary defense system with its DART spacecraft in time-lapse traveling at 14,000 miles per hour, slamming into a harmless asteroid named Dimorphos, orbiting a larger asteroid called Didymus, 7 million miles from Earth. NASA says the impact was right on target. As we hit like the last two minutes where we could no longer command the spacecraft and you knew we were on the trajectory and you knew that we were not going to do anything to change it. It was just joy. These stunning images of Dimorphos captured in vivid detail by DART's cameras moments before collision. Compared to other things that we've seen, that moon looked egg-shaped with a bunch of boulders clearly on the top. 
It'll take a month or maybe more before NASA can analyze all of the data from telescopes on Earth and in space to tell if DART successfully gave Dimorphos a bit of a nudge. A critical test if NASA hopes to use the same technology to one day deflect and divert a mega asteroid from hitting Earth. A nightmare scenario that's played out on Hollywood hits like the blockbuster Don't Look Up. You know how many the world is ending meetings we've had over the last two years? Drought, famine. Hole in the ozone is so boring. Scientists say Dimorphos poses no threat to Earth. NASA Chief Bill Nelson says the agency is now ramping up its ability to detect asteroids of any size. Right now, are there any asteroids that are in any way threatening Earth? We don't see any, but we can only uh, look for ones that are about 350 feet or so. Uh, we want to get to where we can even uh, find any asteroid out there. Yeah, isn't that stunning? Dimorphos, only about 560 feet in diameter, is one of more than 27,000 known asteroids that are close enough to Earth to earn a nickname and be tracked by NASA. None are thought to pose a risk to Earth. But NASA also believes there may be more asteroids that are undetected, so this planetary defense system, DART, could be critical. Guys, back to you. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. As Roka would say, science. I know. And math. (laughs) Cool. Thank you, Tom. All right. Uh, Let's turn back to Mr. Roker, speaking of science, and get a check of the weather. Hey, Al. Uh, I don't care what you say. I'm keeping Bruce Willis on speed dial. That's my (laughs) deal. Uh, We're talking about some record highs today in the Pacific Northwest. Going to stay warm there. Heat continuing, in fact, down through the southwest as well. Gorgeous sunshine stretching from the plains all the way down to Texas. We do have a cold front bringing some showers into the Great Lakes. Also, severe storms developing along this front. Uh, but that's, again, ahead of Ian. And we've got a nice day in the mid-Atlantic states with some showers, western New York and parts of western Pennsylvania. And that is your latest weather. Guys? All right, Al, thank you. Uh, just ahead, today's historic trip to Wales for William and Kate. It's their first visit as its official prince and princess. Right, Molly? That's exactly right. Their first prince and prince, their first trip, excuse me, with those new official titles, the Prince and Princess of Wales. We will have all the details about that trip coming up right after this, Hoda. All right, Molly. And for many of us, it is really the part of the returning to the office that we just don't love sitting still in traffic. Well, there's new research revealing big changes to where and when people drive. So we've got some tips might help you avoid the gridlock today. But first, this is today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed 
We're back, 7.30. Look at the morning rush. This is I-95 in South Philly this morning. Not too terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We're going to have an eye-opening look at the big return to work, the return of traffic. But guess what? The timing and location for that congestion, that has changed as people return to the office. So you might be finding traffic jams Oh, yeah. When you least expect we've them. Not- we've noticed that here. Yes, we? definitely. We leave far yeah. earlier than yeah. most people. Yeah, indeed. But we've noticed All right, guys, let's get our check of the 730 headlines. The clock is ticking this morning with just three days to go until a possible government shutdown. Lawmakers have until midnight Friday to agree on a short-term spending bill that would fund the government through mid-December. One sticking point, the inclusion of Senator Joe Manchin's energy permitting legislation. The bill would speed approvals for natural gas pipelines and power transmissions. Iranian riot police clashed with demonstrators in cities across the country again today. This is the 11th day of protests since the death of an Iranian woman in police custody. Masa Amini was arrested by the morality police for allegedly violating the country's strictly enforced Islamic dress code. She died in custody three days later. Tehran is now accusing the United States of using the unrest to try to destabilize the country. Well, for the first time since the Queen's funeral last week, we are seeing members of the royal family return to their duties. Yeah, William and Kate are stepping out in Wales this morning. It's the couple's first appearance there since taking on the titles of Prince and Princess of Wales. NBC's Molly Hunter joins us now with the very latest. Hey, Molly, good morning. Guys, good morning to you. I hope it is better weather in Wales, where the new prince and princess of Wales are making their first official visit there since taking the titles. But the royal mourning period is over, and that means the royals are no longer wearing black. They are back on the road to their normal duties. And the flag above Buckingham Palace, as you can see, is back at full staff. This morning, the royal mourning period is over. The king's new cipher has been released and the royals, including the Prince and Princess of Wales, are back to work, visiting the nation of Wales for the first time since receiving their new titles. They're starting their visit in Anglesey, taking the time to strengthen their relationship with communities across Wales, according to Kensington Palace. Kate and William are now the two most popular members of the royal family, stepping up to serve the new king. And the whole family is ready for the spotlight, according to Katie Nichol and her new book, The New Royals. The reason that William has found it so hard to forgive Harry is because the departure of Sussexes from their public roles has put a huge pressure on William and Kate and their family. That sort of move into the spotlight for them as a couple, but also as a family, has been accelerated because of the departure of Harry and Meghan. The crowds two weeks ago welcomed the reunion of the so-called Fab Four. Brothers William and Harry and Kate and Meghan all united in grief. But it was a highlight many didn't expect. We didn't imagine all four of them to be together, but I think that was the Queen's last wish. King Charles honoring his heir, Prince William, but also his youngest son. I want also to express my love for Harry and Meghan as they continue to build their lives overseas. And through the week leading up to the state funeral, the country's two beloved brothers side by side. Almost reminiscent of a time where the foursome was wildly popular. We all hoped that the funeral was going to be an opportunity for not necessarily a family reconciliation, but at least the start of one. Charles is absolutely determined to try and smooth the the rift out, to try and get things on a better footing. He wants a relationship with his son. He wants to see his grandchildren. But now back to living on different sides of the Atlantic. 
Prince Harry reportedly working on a tell-all memoir, and the Duchess of Sussex back to her podcast, The Two Brothers, thousands of miles away, settling back into two very different futures. And Molly, a lot of things changing with King Charles taking over, the anthem changed, and then the currency changed. So any idea when we'll start seeing King Charles on the money there? Yeah, exactly. Not immediately. It's going to take some time, though. By the end of the year, Hoda, though, we should get the first glimpse of the design with King Charles on the front of paper money. The coins will also be changing over in the next several months. The good news, though, all the money, both paper and coins with Queen Elizabeth on the front, will stay in circulation at least for a couple more years. Hoda? Oh, sounds good, Molly. Thank you. I know I went straight to the ATM in London. I was like, I need to get Queen Elizabeth on the money. Absolutely. <laughs> good, no. good souvenir yeah. and collector's yeah, item, a couple too. things. Stella had here on a Tuesday. Good morning, the new tribute to Tom Brady, and let's call it his longevity in the NFL. This one from music star Beck. What, what he's doing to get you ready for Sunday night's big battle between the Bucks and Chiefs? But first, have you noticed that there's traffic sometimes at weird times mm-hmm. and unexpected places lately? Well, Maggie Vespa has taken a look this morning at big changes to commuting brought on by the pandemic. Hi, Maggie. Hey guys, good morning. Yeah, I heard you say you've noticed traffic is back. Well, a lot of people have. And a new study shows in cities across the country, in fact, traffic jams are back. Congestion is back. And now this study also shows, as you said, where and when people drive, that's changing. We're going to walk through it and also show you how you can beat the worst of the backup. That's coming up. We're back with the Consumer Confidential this morning as we check the Capitol Beltway in Maryland. There's re- new research that'll have commuters everywhere rethinking that drive to work. Yeah, with more and more folks returning to the office, traffic is back in a big way. Congestion nearing pre-COVID levels, mm-hmm. in fact. Yeah, but the question is when and where. NBC's Maggie Vespa's in Chicago. She's got a closer look at what may be extending your time on the road and ways you can avoid those dreaded traffic jams. Hi, Maggie. Good morning. Hey, guys, good morning. Yeah, it's stressing us out just talking about it, right? Because, you know, remember, like, in peak lockdown when we were all begging for things to just get back to normal? Well, this might be an example of be careful what you wish for. This new study shows that at downtowns across the U.S., traffic is back, specifically traffic jams. Congestion is back. Although, in a lot of ways, the pre-pandemic rush hours that we all knew, those may forever be in the rearview mirror. With many Americans hitting the road and returning to work, that congested commute is also making a comeback, marking a major shift from those ghost town drives during the height of the pandemic as frustrated travelers buckle up for stop-and-go traffic. Now, new research from traffic data firm Streetlight shows where and when people drive has changed. A lot of the sort of extra driving that's happening is actually happening closer to home as opposed to people driving into downtown the way they did, you know, for the last decade. The reason why? Working from home has become more common, which means fewer people are choosing to be so-called super commuters, opting out of traveling long distances to make it into an office. But that also means more people are on the roads outside of downtown city centers, and their more flexible schedules allow them to run errands during the day, like going out for coffee or picking up kids from school, which is causing more congestion in the suburbs. 
Researchers also say work-from-home culture has altered the timing of traffic trends, too. In every downtown area studied, the morning commute is less congested than in years past. That's because people who do travel into the office seem to be hitting the road later in the day and are returning home earlier. The result? A midday bumper-to-bumper bottleneck, usually between 11 and 3 p.m. Even though it's worse than it was, uh, it's still better to drive midday than it is to drive during the, the evening rush hour. It sounds like on the flip side, there's no guaranteed good time to be out anymore. I think that's absolutely right, unless you could do it at night. Other ways to avert getting caught in gridlock? Carpool with others to reduce congestion and even save money on gas. Use navigation apps with live traffic monitoring to route you past any unexpected backups on your usual route. And once on the road, stay in your lane. One study found weaving into faster-moving lanes actually had no effect on travel time and ultimately slowed the flow of traffic. There you go. That might surprise a lot of people. Okay, so one more tip, because, of course, there's an app for that. We're showing Google Maps here. And let's say, because we're in Chicago, I have to get to Willis Tower. This will tell you when you should actually leave, depending on congestion. Type in Willis Tower, hit directions like you always would, and then see these three dots in the upper right-hand corner. Click on those and hit set, depart, or arrive time. Guys, I never knew this existed until my producer showed me. Let's say I want to get there at about 930 I hit done, and it shows me 9.30 in Chicago. That would typically take me 5 to 12 minutes, and then it shows you often you can depart at 9.30 uh, to get there on time, 5 to 12 minutes obviously being the drive time. So that'll help people kind of get around these peak congestions, but especially during that midday, because that's a new one, just one more tip to avoid this stress. Guys, I'll send it back to you. Maggie, thank you. Look at Maggie with the tip there. You already knew about that. I did know. Yeah, it tells you when to depart. You hit the button. Maggie, there's one thing I knew before Maggie best. I mean, I know. The only thing. I know. She's always on top of it. I didn't know about the weaving in and out. I didn't know that that actually added time. Well, by the way, there's nothing more satisfying than a guy zooming past you, cutting in front of you, cutting 10 people off, and then getting to a stoplight and seeing him right next to you. And you're like, hey. Anyway, let's let's be kind. Time now for not another, another <laughs> check of the weather. Let's turn to Al Roker. Hey, Al. Hey, guys. Good morning. Again, we're we're watching Ian, and we expect it to make landfall sometime around Tampa about Thursday morning at 2 a.m. We're going to be watching that. But what is the Saffir Simpson, Simpson scale? Uh, we start with a Category 1. That's up to 95-mile-per-hour winds, moderate damage, windows blown out, tree branches snapped. Then we get into a Category 2, up to 110-mile-per-hour. We're talking widespread power outages, trees snapped. Category 3, what we expect it to maybe make landfall as, houses losing parts of their roof power out for week. Category four, up to 156 miles per hour. That's 250 times more destructive than a category one storm. And storm surge. This is the deadliest part of a hurricane. Uh, it, that normal sea level rises and moves inland. Three feet of sea level rise can cause Big problems, considered life-threatening. Six feet, crashing waves can cause significant damage. The weight of water breaks through uh, doors and windows. And nine feet or more, entire neighborhoods can be destroyed. So we are talking about that in and around the Tampa Bay area. We're going to be watching that very, very closely. Guys, there's a new update coming up in the next half hour. We'll have it for you as soon as it comes in. That's right. Top of the 8 o'clock, Al. Thank you. Uh, By the way, as Ian targets the United States coming up tomorrow, we're going to have some... Really an important story for millions in the coming days. Kerry Sanders is going to have everything you need to know about keeping those devices charged up during a power Mm -hmm. outage. He's also going to show us 
A new innovation with some electric vehicles that can be used to power an entire home for days. Wow. Another yeah. use of those. Wow. All right, guys, uh, just ahead, get ready for a spirited debate because the list of the 100 greatest television shows of all time, it's out this morning. We're going to talk about it. We're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> These messages. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the True Crime Original. Listen up, true crime fans. It's a big murder trial underway. That's Dateline is launching a new podcast with Andrea Canning. Welcome to Dateline True Crime Weekly. We'll cover breaking crime news around I the mean, country. It is the twists, the turns, the With craziness. the best reporters on the case, NBC News analysts, and Dateline producers on the ground. Break it down for us. Just You'll just get fresh insights and behind-the-scenes scoops from crime scenes to courtrooms. That is bizarre. Stay in the, the know and up-to-date. So tell us what he said. It Follow Dateline True Crime Weekly to get new episodes starting Thursday. Wherever you get your podcasts. Are you in the mafia? Am I in the what? Whatever you want to call it. Organized crime. That's total crap. Who told you that? That I've lived in the house all my life. I've seen police come with warrants. I've seen you going out at 3 in the morning. So you never seen Doc Oh, welcome okay. back. Of course, that was a, a clip from the legendary TV show, The Sopranos. Jacob Sobroff joined the party. That clip just became yeah. even more iconic. Yeah. What's up, you guys? Yeah, everybody will have something to say about all of this. Uh, it took the top spot on Rolling Stone's ranking of the 100 greatest TV shows of all time. The rest of the list might be a little bit uh, harder for everybody to agree on. Second place, The Simpsons. Third, Breaking Bad, The Wire, Fleabag. I don't know. I mean, we all just went through the list. Well, here, here's the rest of it. Top 10, Seinfeld, yeah. Mad Men, Cheers, Atlanta, Mary Tyler Moore. Thoughts? Well, okay, they redid this list. It was just done in 2016, but they're like, there's so much good TV, mm-hmm. we're going to update it. Yep. Mm-hmm. The top spot stays the same. I don't know. I think there are some questionable choices. I, I think the top four are boy shows. I think that a lot of people <laughs> who voted. Well, the Wire? Well, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think overall. I mean, I think women Boys. love, of course, yeah. love a lot what are of your, these. What but, is your top show? Um, I just checked off the ones I like. I love Veep. <laughs> that was one of mine. I <laughs> love Excellent. Cheers. I loved SNL. I have Sesame. You know, Sesame. I have yeah. Sesame Street. Like, for example, awesome. yeah. I love Fleabag. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's a top five show of all time. Yeah. Fair enough. Succession. Yeah. yeah. Don't at me. I love Succession. <laughs> love. Okay. I don't need. Does it need to be eleven? Should it be on the list? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What do you think, Craig? I I I agree with Savannah on Succession. I love it. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be top twenty. There were some other. Again, you know, I'm not. Don't don't come at me. Oh, they will. They're they're coming at you. I love Lucy. One of the best shows. I love Lucy. Where's that? It's thirty six. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that should be way up there. Curb your enthusiasm. It's my number one. It's always my number one. I'd like to be Larry David. Where is it on the list? It's down there. It's thirty something. Okay. I would. I would. I would. By the way, The Wire is one of the the best shows in the history. Yeah, I get it. 
and The Sopranos, like, I d- didn't watch either of them, yeah. but I get it. Okay. It's an impossible list to make. It really is. By the way, why is, where's Game of Thrones? Isn't that a TV show? That's a good oh, point. 30 yes. Another show kids. I didn't watch, but you guys all like. Here we go. Oh. Your bedroom environment, taking a toll oh. on your sleep. Craig is going to let us in on his late night routine. <laughs> Coming Ooh. up after this. <laughs> 